Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Keith Baldry, Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief, joining me now. Keith, how's it going? Good morning, George. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. The busy weekend and a bit crazy, really. This gang violence stuff oh. is really, what the heck is going on? The airport one is insane. Yeah, no, it's, uh, we've never seen anything like this in terms of the sustained violence. Um, I heard Kim Boland, my old colleague at the Sun, on with Simi this morning, talking about how... Uh, perhaps some of the reasons behind this, personal grudges, former associates, now sworn enemies, and just brazenly playing out uh, on our streets. Pretty sure it's sort of cannon fodder for the B.C. Liberals this afternoon in question period. I would assume they're going to be grilling Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth about this issue and question whether or not there's enough resources uh, put in the hands of police right now to deal with this problem. We have a clip of Farnworth. I think we'll just uh, get him to run that here. Hold on from a press conference. It was absolutely a uh, heinous, barbaric, uh, just uh, despicable, despicable act. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. But that doesn't answer the question, right? He's just kind of like, okay, but what? What are you guys going to do? And I think that you're right. The BC Liberals are going to come hard on this and the Green Party, perhaps. You know, this is, you know, we've got a new police force starting in Surrey. Is that going to be the solution for Surrey? You know, do we need a regional police force? Is there, we had a guest on earlier talking about it's not just about policing. What is, is there a solution for this? Can the provincial government, federal yeah. government, who's in charge here? How do we fix this? I don't profess to be an expert in this uh, situation, but it is interesting, George. You know, usually governments will plead fiscal poverty or, you know, belt tightening times. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough money for this. We don't have enough money for that. But that, that sort of, the parameters on, on that sort of talk are gone. We are now in a situation where the government is routinely running, all governments are running massive deficits. So the amount of spending that's going on is unprecedented. There's $6 billion in this budget alone for this year. That's pandemic response, economic recovery relief. So um, there certainly is an argument to be made. If more, if the police say they need more resources to fight what's going on, um, the government is basically in a situation that's never been in before, where it can't say, well, we don't have the money. They got the money because they're spending money like crazy on all sorts of programs. So I've, I've said since the pandemic be- began, there's never been a better time to tap the government on the shoulder and ask for, for money for various causes. And if the police are going to make that request, I don't think they've made that request yet, but if it's a question of more resources uh, needed in police hands, um, the government doesn't have as good a comeback uh, as they normally would. But they would have to go through the municipal governments who are, in fact, in charge of policing, who fund the policing locally. So it would be the municipal governments asking for the money to pay for the police. I mean, Vancouver tried to cut back their police uh, costs Mm -hmm. uh, and got a big pushback from the VPD and the board. Um, Very, you know, vocal pushback from the chief. Kennedy Stewart, at the very beginning of the pandemic, was holding weekly news conferences asking or demanding the provincial government give Vancouver more money for A, B, and C. So, and most recently joined with the P&E management to ask the government for more money for the P&E. So, Municipal governments have been asking the province for financial relief on any number of fronts uh, for a long time because, of course, their finances have been ravaged by the pandemic mm-hmm. as well. So, again, the the debate parameters have changed in the pandemic where it's not 
fiscally conservative, disciplined provincial government saying no to everyone. The government increasingly, just like the federal government, is saying yes to many things right now. And again, if, if more police is what's required, it's harder for the government to rebut that type of request. All right. We got a next up issue is the vaccinations are really rolling in now. Are we're seeing millions yeah. of new doses? We're gonna we're this week we're gonna have our busiest week ever on the vaccination front. About a little more than one hundred thirty five thousand Moderna doses re- arrived on Friday. They're now set to go into people's arms starting today. Today or tomorrow, we're gonna get two hundred seventy six thousand nine hundred fifty. Uh, Moderna doses or uh, Pfizer doses. So this week, the goal is perhaps to target as much as 300 to 350,000 arms this week uh, with vaccines. We we've been at our, our daily average has been going up. We're now in our 50,000s as of Thursday and Friday. We were when we started this whole thing. We we're at 20,000 doses a day. Got to 50,000 doses a day late last week. We'll be more than that this week. So. The race is on to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible. And so if you're listening out there and you haven't registered for your vaccine yet, you better do it fast because it's going to catch up to your age group sooner than you think. There's a lot of people in their 30s who think, oh, this is still going to take some time to get to me. It's not. We're going to be going through um, the age groups pretty quick. And so when we've got this amount of vaccine arriving, and this doesn't even account AstraZeneca or Janssen. um, Which might become as a surprise, uh, another surprise dose if the U.S. loosens things up. AstraZeneca could arrive at any any moment, um, but and Janssen, there's forty thousand doses sitting uh, out there that have yet to be approved by Health Canada. They're not really not a big vaccine in BC's uh, plan right now, but eventually they will be. But uh, no, right now we're going to ramp up our vaccination program big time this week and for the subsequent weeks in May and June. Uh, I think everyone's going to have one dose by the end of June. And only AstraZeneca is being uh, used or being administered by the pharmacies. Everything else is done through. That's right. Yeah, uh, the age group is done in the clinics. Uh, there's more than almost 200 clinics set up around the province, and that's where Pfizer and Moderna is. We don't really have much AstraZeneca left. There's some remaining in some pharmacies around BC, but I think they're less than 30,000 doses. Uh, it's basically dwarfed by Pfizer and Moderna. We get Pfizer every week, about 276,000 doses a week. That's going to increase to 328,000 doses a week in June. We get 135,000 doses of Moderna twice a month now. Uh, so you just start doing the math, and you can see we're going to we're going to hit our our target audience fairly quickly, and that, that's good news. So it's in everyone's interest to have as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible. And speaking of COVID, though, we had the BCCDC data transparency, the press conference we talked about earlier with uh, Sonia Furstenau. Um Obviously, it was, we have a clip of uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry here. Hold on. I think we need to recognize that everybody has, uh, you know, every there's a process that it goes through before before it's meaningful. And as, as Dr. Gustin was trying to explain, we we have as well uh, processes for reporting of health data to ensure that they can't be linked. And so this is, these data are reported through the surveillance report, um, where there's context added and. You know, you have to hear the conversations about each of those before you, you you know what they actually mean. So they are put into a context and released publicly. You know, it's interesting, uh, Keith, that she's, I haven't heard her sort of stumbling like that before, where she's kind of a little all over the map there, a little bit nervous. Uh, obviously, media pushing back hard on Friday. Well, they were on the defensive on Friday because there was this document released uh, that, you know, um, 
raise some questions about transparency. Now, to be fair, I mean, I take a deep dive through the data every day and have for a year. There is a lot of information out there from the CDC, from the Center for Disease Control. They do put a lot out, but they don't put everything out. And there is this frustration. I saw you first and I talked about it with you about, for example, there's no weekend reporting. Um, Mm -hmm. We go three days without information, which is frustrating. Um, So like today, every Monday we get hit with this big number of COVID cases over three days. And you know, try to put that in context sometimes can be can be difficult. The, the interesting thing of the data that came out in the Vancouver Sun was much of it was available on the website and various different reports were just collated all together for the first time. But also there was, for the first time, what are called heat maps, which show where COVID is concentrated the most on a neighborhood basis, not through just a strictly municipal basis, but breaking a municipality into actual regions. And we saw for the first time, Northwest Surrey in particular was the COVID hotspot in the last week of April, as was uh, central Abbotsford. And we haven't seen granular data like that to the local level. And we've been asking for that for months. And it finally uh, sort of I'm, was exposed in this particular document, and now we're told we're, we're going to get that regularly. Um, what is the thinking, though, behind that? I'm trying to get my head around it, and I asked uh, Ms. Forrest to know about that, first to know about that, saying, you know, is this intentional, like la- not putting information out so that people don't become lackadaisical in one community and then freaked out in another? Is that, a, is that, a, is that the reasoning? Well, I don't think it's actually... Um, well thought out. I don't think there's a real strategy there hmm. from public health. I think it's just, uh, it is what it is. It's just sort of evolved. And I've noticed, uh, you know, the reporting has evolved since the beginning of the pandemic. If you look at the situation report that comes out every Wednesday, the one that is released last week is fundamentally different than the one from six months ago in terms of how much information is in there. I mean, it, it does get better all the time. There's more and more information all the time, and we're evolving in the reporting of it, I suppose. But uh, we've been we, the issue of local granular data has been sensitive since day one. At the very beginning, there was a reluctance to identify municipalities that had undue amounts of COVID they didn't, because there wasn't really a lot of cases, and they didn't want to stigmatize certain communities and mm-hmm. that type of thing. But now that we've got you know more than 130,000 cases uh, spread around the entire province, the the chance of you know identifying someone personally is remote, and so this is why people want to know, I think, and have a right to know. What What's going on in their neighborhoods? And I think public health is now getting to the point where they're going to match that demand. All right, we're going to take a break. Keith, you're going to stay with us. We're going to take your calls uh, to uh, 604-280-9898. If you've got calls or you have questions for Keith, 604-280-9898. I'm George Alfick filling in for Mike Smith back after the break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
George Affleck in for Mike Smith, and I've got Keith Baldry, Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief for Baldry's Beat with me today. Keith, uh, we've got some callers here. You ready to take some calls? Oh, yeah, let's go. All right. We've got Carrie from Surrey. Carrie, how's it going? Um, it's going pretty good. Um, I'm actually asking in light of the information about Surrey, uh, what kind of came out is that Surrey is uh, horrific at a 20% positivity. Our numbers aren't going down. And um, with the record school exposure, I'm not All right, we're losing you there, Carrie. But we're hearing some of, I think we've lost Carrie again. She's coming in and out there. Keith, Surrey is showing these numbers. You kind of touched on that, but and she mentioned the schools there. Um, well, Surrey's been targeted as basically the, the, the number one priority for special vaccination. So uh, the teachers in Surrey went first in terms of getting uh, vaccinated ahead of any other teacher cohort in the province because Surrey is um, such a serious situation. Keep in mind, the cases, the data that came out on last week was for the week, the last week of April. So we're still, we're two weeks beyond that almost. And so the data is going to be different when it's released again this week. And presumably it may show a better situation in Surrey because so many more vaccinations are occurring in Surrey than in other jurisdictions, particularly with frontline workers such as teachers and everyone in the education sector. So it's going to be interesting to see if the numbers have changed in that northwest. We're talking Wally and Newton, and hopefully the numbers will have gone down when we get the next batch of data in the coming days. We're taking your call, 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898. Just on that, on that point, though, your data, the two-week lag time, uh, Keith, that... that um, with regards to, do they internally, do they know the numbers way before? And so, for example, if they're saying the end of this month, they're going to loosen up things, they would know much sooner than we probably know. Like, they know now what those numbers are looking like? Or how, how as tight is their number tracking? Oh, their, their number is, um, I mean, it's pretty easy to figure out. It's not like they hold back any numbers. What, what they do rely on is not a daily number in terms of analysis, because that can be very misleading. But what they do rely on are seven-day averages, for the most part, to get a sense of where we're headed. For example, our daily case number that is reported every day has been, on a seven-day basis, is going down and has been going down for weeks now. On some days, though, uh, it can be higher from day to day. Uh, and But that gives a misleading impression that suddenly you think, oh, we've got just, you know, we've got so much more COVID. No, you look on a, on a sort of a sequence event over seven days, you get a better sense of where where we're headed. So in terms of where we're going after May 25th, it'll be the seven-day number, uh, rolling numbers on a number of fronts, the positivity rate, the daily uh, case numbers, and the hospitalizations as well. All of them have been tracking downward for uh, several weeks now, which is very encouraging, and hopefully we see mm-hmm. that reflected today at the 3 o'clock briefing. Yeah, Mike from Vernon. Mike, go ahead. Quick, guys. Um, hey. You made a comment about leaked documents. We shouldn't have to find this stuff out when a document is leaked to a reporter. It's just plain wrong. That's not the way it should be done. And that is something that the government should be getting just hammered on, is the fact that it takes someone leaking a document for us to get this information. All right, thanks, Mike. That particular document goes to about, there's about 80 people in the distribution group as far as I know. So it's, it's public health, but it's also everyone who's sort of, there's professors, there's uh, private 
physicians who all do work with public health, do studies, do modeling. They all get their they all get this particular document on a on a regular basis, and someone decided to to give it to a reporter, which is I mean I agree with the caller. We don't want stuff needed to be leaked. Again, though, most of this information is actually available. If you go to the website and start moving around and looking at the different reports, you can see some of this stuff. And then we get we get an avalanche of information. But again, we don't get a lot of the information at the local level. And that's where the frustration has been, is, is we really want to see what's happening within a municipality or within a municipality's boundaries rather than just, you know, um, one one number for the entire uh, city. For example, Vancouver is divided into six reporting sections, I think, and has been since day one because of a historical nature of reporting in Vancouver because it was the first city. Right. Surrey doesn't have that because, for, you know, Surrey is a relatively new city. For years, it was just one giant farm hmm. uh, when Vancouver was an urban, already an urban center. It took years for Surrey to develop, which means we don't have the same reporting uh, consistency that we see in uh, see in Vancouver, we don't have right. in Surrey. Right. Marie from Wally, real quick, what's your question for Keith? Yeah, I'm just a really, I mean, I'm glad to see the numbers, but I'm really annoyed because it highlights how bad my neighborhood is because I live in the worst area in Surrey, it seems, and it also highlights, and I know it's only a week's worth of data, but we've been screaming for months now for vaccines, and the government has done nothing to put more emphasis and focus on us when when they can clearly see that we have a serious problem right. here to the point that people are afraid to go out now because it's everywhere. Yeah. Marie, thanks for your call. That's totally true, and we're hearing that over and over again. Keith, thanks for joining me All today. Right. Talk to you tomorrow. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Cheers.